we, they opened up a little small track in Danville called it Dixie Speedway. And uh, they wanted to get some black drivers. And uh, they thought they didn't know who to approach, so they went to the police department to find out what black guys had speeding records, things like that. So they told them they want somebody to drive a race car to see me. So that's how I started racing. Did every, I mean, he he drove the car exactly what he did exactly what the car wanted him to do. He got out early. It was it looked like a little tight, but he kept in the throttle and he got a good lap. And wow, way to go! Bill. There you go. That's man, Tony Schumacher wins. He is the champion for an eighth time. But Antron Brown, if Tony Schumacher loses, becomes the first African American to win an NHRA title. to do it mate what a way to win your seventh world title where I was at a wedding and Landon Castle was at and they did the Cupid shuffle okay well whenever Jared's ready to go I'll tell that story as our cold open or whatever but yeah I'm ready I just oh okay okay so no no yeah so um so so January, a, a great friend of mine uh, got married. Um, shout out D Gooden 24. And uh, uh, shout out Dylan. And so he is really good friends with Landon Castle. And I feel bad still now because like the way that I sold my girlfriend on going to this wedding was not only like, hey, I'm going to like my best friend's wedding, but I'm also like, oh, there's going to be a NASCAR driver there because she had no interest in going to a nearly all-white wedding in Missouri. And so anyway, so it's reception, right? And like I sat next to Landon and we were talking. It was pretty cool, whatever. And so, folks, I felt shame before in my life <laughs> over a, a myriad of things. I have never been as ashamed as being the, one of two black people at a mm. wedding in Missouri and Landon Castle, who is from bum Iowa, is is doing the cupid shuffle better than me and uh -oh. yeah dude i was like I, I, was, I, was, I was so embarrassed behind that i'm like well this is uh this is a moment for sure i was like landy can might not be able to do some things but he certainly as hell knows the cupid shuffle step by step so you know what anyway. would make the only way that would make that better is if you told us like the next night like you got an eye racing and he was on there and he just dusted you by a lap and a half oh, just like no. came full circle dude okay so no no he like 
we we so I didn't know like where to start like with like talking to him. So we were sitting next to each other and we were just like, oh yeah, hey, I'm uh, And he was like, uh, oh, are you missing out on the iRacing from 24 for this? And I I suck at road stuff and iRacing, so I was like, yeah, sure, just make conversation with him. And uh, he was like, oh yeah, and you know he do, does. We were talking, and I was trying to tell him about like all like of my wins on the oval side of things and trying to impress his, you know, NASCAR driver generally. And he's like, yeah, he's like, I don't do all the stuff. He's like, I can go and run Richmond whenever I want to in a real car. He's like, I go and run road stuff all the time. And I was like, oh yeah, totally, man. Me too. Absolutely. <laughs> I was just like, man, he's just, he just <laughs> all over me. <laughs> Hilarious enough. I'm, I'm the first two sensor beats of this week, but it's fine. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> See that's uh that's the karma for you giving a, a certain someone grief last week. <laughs> well, okay, we don't have any more time for the cold open, but whoever I gave grief to, they certainly deserve grief. Yeah, what what do us to save it? Uh good evening, everyone. Uh, welcome to another episode of Victory Lane Vibes, brought to you by East Side Roasters. Oh, um, in case you haven't heard, uh, Danny's here. Hi. Um, and Danny um, is stepping out on her own. If y'all haven't heard yet, check out Chicanery, uh, Victory Lane Vibes the Network, uh, starring Danny and JT, have their own spinoff show, Chicanery. Um, talking about open wheel, some endurance racing. Really excited to hear uh, what the two of them have to say about Petit Lamont. Um, that was a crazy race, but I'll let y'all transverse over to the, the other side of things to hear that. So if you thought you liked us, you might like them a little bit more, a little, just a little more couth on chicanery. What are you implying by that? You know exactly what I'm implying. Yeah. Anyway. I just want to hear you say it. <laughs> Dude, they make us look like amateur hour. It's not even funny. And and to anyone like maybe like oh, I don't know about that. Let me tell you something. I've said on the show before. I'm too dumb of a dumb guy to understand like GT racing and open wheel stuff outside of F1. And uh, they made it very relatable and easy to follow. So y'all please go check out Chicanery because I actually was am a huge Chicanery fan uh, at this juncture. So and uh, yeah, a lot more professional than, than than me and another host I didn't hear today are. So. I- I'm still so sad. I'm not going to hear my favorite sound clip, but there'll be more episodes. But uh, yeah, it's on brand for him. I figured out some genius, and then he doesn't show up. Really on brand. He it's doesn't fine. show it's up. What, it's, it's so on brand. And, and I'm sure he's got something going on, but still, I you know, so on brand. You understand how excited I was at the prospect of like, oh, now that I'm doing this, there'll be a good place to put this in the show. Like we'll be able to like talk into it now. And then it's just out of the way. It's fine, whatever. I still got. The- you know what? A good a good salesman leaves them wanting more. Uh, he, whatever. You uh, just got a little taste. The first hit's free, and then after that, you gotta wait. Come back next week. Uh, hopefully, you know he might be going next week too. Anyway, let's get into the show. <laughs> so uh, we'll start with uh, Xfinity. Riley Herbs shut everybody up including cold custard um and one did he officially win by 14 seconds did he break the record it was just short i think oh because he told him back off yeah i mean um, yeah there's no way he was going 100 percent at the end 
that the 98 was cheated up, but uh, past post race and Riley Herbst gets his first national series win in front of his hometown family and friends at Vegas. Um, wow, I think my perception of Riley has changed. Um, because it was domination, like he left everyone just by it. he had no competition. John Hunter Nemechek didn't even catch him, which is odd because. He's normally the king of all mile and a half in the Toyota, but I was amazed with the race. What, what about you? Uh, Xfinity was Xfinity. Uh, I watched uh, I watched as much of it as I could. Yeah, hey, you know, man. Um, I mean, it, it's it's difficult to go back and rewatch. Um, after like paying attention to Twitter and stuff like that, because like I was at work when the experience is going on. Um, the legitimate shock and surprise, like as I was reading throughout my day, like, oh, Riley Herbst is actually fast, he might win this. To oh, he's lapped all but 11 cars. I think you probably could have told me the sky was falling, and I probably would have believed that sooner. I mean. I, I was actually surprised that John Hunter didn't make his way further up the field. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited for Riley. You just signed that new deal. I know there were some rumors of what he was going to do. Uh, and, you know, he silenced a lot of people that um, suggested that he maybe needs to be running a bulldozer. Um, those people are me. All I got to say to Riley Hurts now is do it again. And and then I really shut up. But but I feel bad because a couple weeks ago they were like um, Riley Herbst running Talladega. I'm on Twitter, Twitter fingers. Like, oh great, where's when you know the weapon? And people was coming at me, and I'm like, I don't need anybody who who had just started watching post Monster Energy Cup Series to lecture me on who isn't and isn't a good driver. And now I look stupid. <laughs> um, so hey, that's cool, O'Reilly. I'm happy for that. Now one thing I do want to say real quick about the Xfinity race happened after the Xfinity race. When the admin from the Ryan C. Grayson team uh, put that uh, hit piece of a tweet out and everybody got mad about it. I'm going to say this. If you don't know what the tweet is, go look it up. You can find the screenshots, whatever. But basically the tweet was like, wow, Joe Graves Jr. screwed us once again. People were mad about it. Like, hey, so unprofessional. He paid to drive your car X, Y, and Z. I'm going to tell you something, man. Him paying to drive that car does not mean that he can go and tear it up. And when you have a history of tearing stuff up and, you know, I don't know what those conversations are like, but I'm certain it's to a small extent of what John West Townley used to go through back in the day. For those who remember, it got so bad with JWT that his, that they had to buy his own Xfinity team for him because he couldn't drive anybody else's stuff anymore. Um, so I don't think it's unprofessional whatsoever. I think that every every right to be, be mad at him for wrecking once again. Um, and I think everybody that was mad about that tweet is just soft, but I mean they didn't say anything wrong in it whatsoever. It is what it is. So um, you know, we talk people need to drive a bulldozer, Joe Graff. You I mean those guys make like six figures a year in some places? You might look into a change of career path, buddy. I don't know. I don't know, but that's my take on the Xfinity race, man. That's it. Carl's driving the bulldozer, moving the goalposts. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I'm I'm happy for um, Riley. I feel like he's one of those guys that came in super young, probably got way too much attention too early in his life, in his career, 
And he always just kind of rubbed me as a guy that got overhated. Like there's some folks that just get so much hate and part of it might just be their personality rubs folks the wrong way. But I don't know. I just never felt like he did anything to justify the, the vitriol that he was getting online the last couple seasons. So, I mean, good for him, you know, to be able to win your first Xfinity race at home in front of your family, in front of the grandstands as the call went. Um, and to just beat the brakes off of everybody, I think that's just super impressive. Yeah, I feel like they said, well, we're out of the playoffs. We got nothing to lose, so we're just going to knock everything loose, and th there's just no way you're going to tell me that car. <laughs> I don't care what tech says. Like, There's no way you're going to tell me that car is legal. Um, I mean, they just beat the brakes off of everybody, and it, there's been a lot of Xfinity races this year where it was a case of, well, unless this guy blows a tire or blows the engine, it's over. So let's just see the fight for second place. Uh, so, you know, good for him. It, it wasn't a great race from that standpoint when it's just such that such a runaway. Uh, Raja got caught up in some chaos um, right in front of him. He had nowhere to go. So that was a bit of a bummer. But I think he rallied to have a decent finish considering the damage that looked like that car got um, a couple laps down. So it was Xfinity. You know, there's a little bit of action, but it turned out to be a snooze fest in the end. Yeah, I, I'm glad you mentioned it. I was just going to say, you know, for, you know, as wonderful a sort of Cinderella story as, um, you know, the hometown kid, you know, going on a run of absolute domination, um, the, the viewing product really isn't that great. Um, but that said, you know, every, well, unless you're completely cold and dead. Everybody loves a good Cinderella story, so ergo I am certainly not upset with this as an outcome at all. Yeah, a little surprised um, John Hunter didn't do, like, anything noteworthy at all, to be completely honest. Um, but, you know, them's the breaks sometimes. Um, but, um, but yeah, it was yeah, wild to win by, you know, near on 14 seconds like good god a butt whooping um Kaz Grala causes the big one um I think he blew a motor and everybody went we um it's kind of odd to see it at a, a mile and a half it'd be so much carnage but I kind of like that right personally I needed some excitement to happen and boom there's seven cars out of the race yeah, I feel like the, the Xfinity car is at that that level of durability that I'm used to and expect from a race car. You know, the next-gen car is basically a tank. I feel like you have to almost blow that thing up at this point or or break a tow link. Uh, but I'm used to, like, cars having, like, pieces come off it when they hit the wall, like the crumple zones, all of those things. So I, I enjoy that kind of chaos. Um, I think, yeah, the race definitely needed about three of those. Yeah, I was, um, yeah, I, how do yeah, I don't understand how you blow up on a mile and a half, I'm being perfectly honest, um, just, um, you know, just a pile of garbage, frankly, <laughs> it's like, is that engine on its last legs, like, what's going on here, it's like, how did you guys miss this, but I, you know, and <clears throat> to Arthur's point, yeah, maybe just used to the absolute tanks i mean and this is not even just in nascar this it feels like this is across all categories of motorsports these days where these cars just don't break like that anymore really um 
because, um, well, a little bit of a sneak peek. It was a bit of a surprise when the uh, Corvette blew up at Petit Le Mans to wrap it up. Everybody was shocked. And kind of the same thing. It's like, what happened here? They use sealed motors in Xfinity, don't they? Like, you can't, you got to run them a certain amount of races before you can put another motor in it. Yeah, I do believe so. If I'm remembering that right. It was just that motor's time to shine. Bright lights. Kaboom. Um, so moving to yesterday, um, the five car wins his way into um, Phoenix. We don't say that name around here. He's uh, akin to Voldemort. He who should not be named. Um, but he won yesterday. Um, and I'm very, 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 very disappointed in Christopher Bell. You had it right there. You had your chance. And you wanted to be like, oh, no. I'll just sit here. And now you're about to face elimination because you didn't take the win from the five. Um, yeah. All I'm going to say is that the 11 would not have, absolutely would not have let that happen to him. Oh, no. The, the oh, five no. would have been in the, the stands. Oh, yeah. Danny would have sent him to the cheap seats. He'd have been in the parking lot. You know the, the, the part that gets me, and I guess we can we can jump into uh, you know lights too bright for C Bell. Like the the worst part is like the real the real stab in the back, the twisting of the knife is after the race. Larson basically said, "Yeah, I'm glad he raced me clean. Can't relate. <laughs> I can't. I would have done it to him like that. Like, bro, how can you go home, look yourself in the mirror, and?" and <laughs> Especially after he spent the whole interview wailing about the way Denny raced him. Right. Like, he he really said, yeah, good for you, but I, I just, that won't be me. And I just feel like, like, if I'm, if I'm a fan, first of all, of, of a driver, I don't want, I want them to race clean, but I want you to at least bang doors, give them a nudge. Like, I'm not saying you have to right hook them. I'm not asking for that, but. I need you to give me a little bit of fight in that last, you know, quarter mile, whatever it is, you know, like, like Bubba may not win every race, but like, he's not just going to accept second place if he's that close and not have a shot at winning um, and try to make a, a more aggressive move than he did. And I just, I just think that's going to come back and haunt them. I feel like those are the types of moves that always end up haunting you later on. Right. So in a couple of weeks, if he's, two points out or a point out after Martinsville and, and, you know, he misses it. I just think you're kicking yourself all off season just because you had it right there. I mean, and they needed the win. Like they had a great day, you know, got a lot of stage points and they're still below the cut line. Like, and finished second. And he's still way below the cut line. So good luck to him, I guess. <laughs> I hope they got a good car at Homestead. Yeah, I, that's that's exactly the same point that I was going to make. And I know it's maybe a bad look for everybody to be like, yeah, I wish that Christopher Bell would have, you know, done something different there. Uh, and there people are going to be like, well, it's because you guys don't like Larson. Well, okay, you know, a little bit of truth there. But mainly it's just we're in this system, you know, me and my dad had a fantastic conversation about it last night because, again – 
he called me. He was like, why in the hell did, did that guy in, in the ring car let him go? And I was just like, yeah, I don't know. Because you go back to, you know, the, the biggest replayed moment of last year is Ross's move to get into Phoenix at Martinsville, right? The Jastain or whatever. The the wall ride or whatever. they I forgot the name for it. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, at, at the end of the day, like, so you've got to – the hell melon. There we go. this format, you have to do whatever it takes to ensure, to guarantee yourself into the next round. There is no, well, good point state. They have systematically put the system in place to eliminate guys trying to go around and have good point stays. And so what happens next week? The 20 has a great car. They have a bad pit stop. Somehow Busher wins it. Okay, then we go to Martinsville. What happens in Martinsville? 20 has a good car you know, late race caution, somehow the 11 passes them. And now, like I said, and in, in, in somehow through that, the 24 is ahead of the 20 on points, the 11, 17 of one, and now the final four is set, despite the fact that Bell was in contention all three races, right? And so, yeah, I mean, I just, I, you know, and in, in, in Larson's comment too, really just kind of put a sting on it because it's like that's the mindset of of the golden child going into this, right? He's apparently the greatest driver in the world, according to what Captracer asked on Twitter. So if the greatest driver in the world is like, yeah, I would have wrecked him, Bell, take notes. You know, that's all I got to say. So, um, you know, but yeah, as far as that the finish goes, that's my take on that. Now, the race in itself is a totally different story. Yeah, I mean, it's just we saw it at Kansas. We saw it at Texas. Y'all will learn to read these rules that Goodyear has set in place for these air pressures. Because one of two things are going to happen. You're going to wreck your car or you're going to ruin your day being trapped multiple laps down because you're riding on the rims trying to get the pit road. Um, I just, I, there's to me, there's not much of a competitive advantage to risk your race only in the namesake of tenths of a second should have did better in the simulator if you're literally out here to, to cheat tents just or just become a better driver find a different line it's not worth wrecking the car over minimum air pressures like it's y'all gonna learn eric jones carson hosevar who else worked yesterday because of the the tires going kasplat well it went back to qualifying right chase bend it in on his lap Right, and then Larson had a flat as well, but he was able to catch it. So, I mean, it seems like there are certain teams that, at least this week, there were certain teams that like, the it comes in bunches, right? So Hendricks had some, um, you know, Legacy had a pair. So like, clearly these teams were doing something on on multiple cars, and they just got caught. I mean, a lot of those cars too, like. You know, Chase had a good run. Larson, obviously, I same thing to your point. Like, if you're in contention for a title, you know, going into Sunday, is it worth that 0.1 percent of a of a gain in, versus the risk? Now, like, if I'm the nine, yeah, I, I might be a little bit more aggressive because, like, what do I really have to lose? You know, if I'm a legacy car, like, I really haven't had a lot of good runs maybe we think this can can do something for us so like for the and like if you're if you're legacy too you have to think 
they're not keeping these cars after the end of this year, right? They're going to Toyota. So all of these is going to go to the scrapyard. So <laughs> if we wreck it, hey, like it is what it is. We got enough cars in the shop to make it the last couple of weeks. So why not be aggressive? But yeah, if, if you're a team that's trying to win or you're in the playoffs, you're playing with fire because <laughs> we've seen just how quickly it can go. And you this isn't the old car where you can tell way in advance that it's going to go. Like these tires are blowing and they're snapping around real quick and they don't have a chance to catch it. Um, we saw Truex have that happen at Kansas you know, blew a tire, didn't have a chance to do anything with it, finished last. So it's it's a big risk. I don't know. Like, if I'm a crew chief, that that kind of decision makes me real nervous. Yeah, I just – I don't think it's worth it, like, at all, um, especially if you are a playoff driver. Um, it's like, yeah, why bother? It's like, okay, yeah, you go down below the minimum um, recommended pressures, you know, you're fighting for to make it to the championship four, you have a tire go down, you finish, you know, 30th. It's like, yeah, okay, all of that. And for what? Absolutely nothing. Um, it's just like, okay. Um, and I guess, and speaking of cheating things, you, you cannot tell me that speaking of, you can't tell me that the five was absolutely not. It's like, how are you going to slap the wall and not break a toe link? It's like, we have seen hits like that all season and, shatter toe links and then you hit it and it's fine it's like explain that to me real quick but um <clears throat> but uh but yeah no the 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 nonsense with um the minimum tire pressure on these tracks as well i mean it's just that it's absolute nonsense and it's frankly completely avoidable you know i understand you know you, know, you ain't cheating you ain't trying like i get it but at the same time when is it just okay yeah we can try it and, you know, have a potentially, you know, a broken race car. Or when can we just, like, not? Uh, I mean, not to be a conspiracy theorist or anything, but, uh, you know, two weeks in a row that the Five has um, managed to... Uh, Need, managed to make that car need some uh, second look over post practice, and then uh, they come back and and um, you know I, I, it's more durable or faster than it was. I don't know, but um, I don't want to get off on a tangent about hating this car, <laughs> but but man, sometimes do I really hate it because uh, it's just like it's such a thin line that they can overstep with with things like pressures. Or things just like like the tolling. I, I don't know, but um, yeah, I, I I watched the majority of the race, and I do feel like the five probably has something put underneath there uh, after that deal. Because I mean that he was he was I, he wasn't at like like Riley Harvest was, but I don't know with the way they performed a mile and a half this year. I kind of question a little bit, but um, yeah, like I said, I don't know what the deal with the tires were yesterday. All I know is that. Uh, one did not go when it needed to toward the end, and we could have got a chance at, at Bell would have had a second chance at it, and that's all that mattered. So, all right, y'all, let's get into uh, lights too bright. All right, so, um, my lights too bright winner is NASCAR. I don't know if y'all paid attention to the snafu on social, but apparently Ryan Blaney was cheated up. I was actually excited, like, good job, Ryan Blaney, you cheated up. 
and then he was never ever gonna make up the points. He was literally in a must run after the first race of this round. And then literally two hours ago, NASCAR's like, oh, our bad. We used the wrong template. You are the sanctioning body. How in the hell do you have the wrong template for the shock? And just immediately just like take take his finish away, take his points, find him. And they're like, oh wait, my bad, I messed up. Like, what? What? NASCAR, my lights too bright. Uh, man, Roger don't play that. And I, uh, if there's if there's any if there's any if there's any organization in the Cup Garage that I would not really suspect to push the envelope that far, it would be Penske. So that's why I was at the shock yesterday. Now I'm not saying that Roger didn't make a call. Uh, the industry of Titan that he is, uh, Mister owns everything. Penske, Mr. I own the IndyCar series, Penske. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, good on them for coming out and saying, like, well, look, we made a mistake and we're 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 gonna we're gonna stand by that and we're going to rescind the penalty. It and you know, give Ryan a chance to stay in contention. Um, I think that in a year where we've had so many teams that have fallen uh, fallen victim to uh, not understanding NASCAR discretion, not understanding gray areas, you know, not understanding, you know, that they were unintentionally breaking the rules um, and getting penalized. You know, you think colleague, you think, uh, I believe, legacy, um, you know, uh, who else? Hendrick, but theirs got rescinded. Uh, Stuart Haas, you think all those teams, and, you know, they all came out and said, well, we didn't really know that we did anything wrong, you know, so to speak. So that kind of created this conversation of like, well, does NASCAR even know how to provide and inspect, look for what their own car? And then NASCAR obviously said, yeah, we do, because this is a situation where we were in the wrong and we can step it back. But it is pretty embarrassing. And, and I do wonder if this is going to maybe not play in their favor in the next coming weeks, because... If I am, uh, who's Christopher Bell's crew chief? I, for, anyway, if I'm the crew chief of the 17 or the 20 or the 24, I'm bringing something kind of sketchy to the track. And when NASCAR tries to call it, I'm like, well, are you sure that it's sketchy? Like, maybe your stuff's messed up again. So that's, that's kind of interesting dynamic. But, yeah, certainly um, not the expected outcome. So, uh, uh, yeah, lights definitely too bright for the NASCAR RSS officials or whatever they are. LSS, LSO, I don't know. Yeah, that's one of those where I feel like morally, yes, you've made the right call. But from a business stance, that might be one that you just slide under the desk and don't mention it and just say, yeah, you know, maybe next year we'll give Ryan a, a you know, a little bit of leeway in a race to try to make up for this because yeah, it just opens up all, all of these cans of worms about their credibility. Um, then it's just not a good look. And to, um, and to that point, like these crew chiefs are ruthless. They have to be like, that's how they got to where they are is by being ruthless. So, you know, they're going to take every inch they can possibly get. Um, I mean, we talked on Christopher Bell lights too bright was made for Christopher Bell this week uh Bonte's not here i know that's his boy and he'd be flipping us off on camera and cussing us out behind the scenes uh if he was here 
but I'm actually going to go in a different direction. I was going to go him, but since we touched on it, I'm going to go Chris Busher as this week's lights to Brighton. Chris Busher has been kind of a dark horse all season, I feel like, in terms of performance. Just really steady as she goes. You know, got a bunch of a couple wins early on. It's just been real steady. And then I looked at the end of the race yesterday. He finished P11, which on the surface isn't bad. But then if you look at it, he finished last out of all the playoff guys. And not only did he finish last, he got no stage points. Not only did he finish last and get no stage points, he lost 20 points to the cut line. <laughs> so he went from minus three to minus 23. And um, this might be a case where he's getting into the deep end of the pool and running real consistent and, and popping off an occasional top five just isn't good enough anymore. You know, like that can get you pretty far in these playoffs. But we're getting down to the, the bottom of the barrel, and I just feel like he's going to have to pop off a win here in these next two weeks to make it at this point. I don't see someone completely falling apart out of the six remaining people between him and a playoff spot. So, I mean, they've been great, you know, like I said, consistent all year, but they have to be really excellent in these last two weeks. And I don't know if they have another solid day, that's just not going to be good enough for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so first of all, um, yeah, the the whole thing with Ryan, you know, especially in a year when NASCAR has come under increasing fire for its highly, highly, highly uh, obfuscative manner in which it deals with and uh, doles out penalties and kind of what gets you in trouble. Yeah, this is not good. Um, this is not good at all. Um, not only is this a bit of additional egg on this on their face and this of course in this metaphor that means that there's still space on their face left for more but um yeah it's just it's no bueno um you know mine is uh and i don't know if this counts as a light's too bright because ostensibly if we're doing that that means that they're always but definitely honestly uh uh bowman alex um he you know had actually qualified pretty well didn't fall victim to the tire issues that chase and um uh and larson had uh both in quality and just car basically took off on him and he just bend it i'm just like ow um you know of course shout out to bubba's s tier wreck avoidance because he lost it right in front of bubba and yet again bubba did not collect him um but I just, I don't know. It's, uh, you know, I'm kind of a uh, definitely kind of a closet uh, Bowman fan, kind of a Homer into the bush Bowman fan, because I love Alex. He's a great guy, but it's just the results just never there. And it's immensely frustrating. And it's usually issues of Alex's own doing that creates them. And it's immensely frustrating. You know, week in, week out, he loops it on his own. He makes a bad move and, you know, kills himself and, you know, five other cars. It's just like, and this week was really no different. Um, so I guess less lights too bright and more of a, dude, what the hell? Yeah, I feel like he's just not going to be right until next season, right? Like, you break your back, <laughs> literally break your back, and then you got to go and be in a race car. Like, you're not, like... I say this with all due respect to Alex. Oh, you're not built for this right now. And that's not your fault. Like you need to be at home 
you should not be racing a car for about six months. Like, and that, and that's not a skill thing. That's just a literal physical thing. Like, man, I, I twist my ankle in a race. I took two weeks off. He was, he was out six weeks and back in the car. Like, I, I'm a, I'm a Alex fan too. Like, I love his personality. I think he's, he seems to be a really good guy. But yeah, like this whole season has just been a wash for him, and that's really frustrating because like he was to Danny's point was leading the points, like doing great. Um, but yeah, you just you, you're not going to come back. He needs to go sit on the couch for about eight weeks and recover, and then hopefully next year he can get back to form. Uh, Bo Mid, as he is uh, affectionately known uh, by me. Hmm. Uh... <laughs> Uh, moving on to uh, 2311 corner. It was a really quiet day for Bubba and Tyler. Um, I think I saw Bubba's car on TV twice the whole race. Um, and then Tyler was up front mixing it up, but um, yeah, I think Tyler finished eighth. And Bubba is now relegated again to uh, 13th. Um, I mean, consistency from Bubba. He's finishing where you know he needs to get the best out of the car. I just expected more out of Tyler. Um, I thought that this would be one of those races where he can, when the track widens, he can go get crazy and jump on the wall in three and four and try to make a go of it. But either he didn't have the car or he was trying to save his moves until Miami. But um, extremely quiet day. Uh, for those two, yeah, and I, I, I guess we, I, we kind of, we jumped over the the Vegas disgrace discussion as a whole, but that to to kind of wrap it all up together, it did not seem like a pretty typical mile and a half race from a racing standpoint yesterday. I mean, after they got kind of spread out, it just seemed like everybody was dealing with a really tight issue, uh, and guys just couldn't follow the people. I, I saw cars that they would get to the guy in front of them. And they couldn't do anything with it. I don't know if it was a top people playing it safe with tires, if it was, you know, the weather conditions or what. But it definitely seemed like a lot of people, 2311 including, had issues just, you know, racing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, after the weeks that we've had, that the 23 has had, the consistency, the, the speed was there in practice, it was there in qualifying, and, and there at times throughout the race – and they just couldn't get the adjustments that they needed to really be up there. But um, all the less, I mean, I you know, not disappointed with that. I'm 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 fine with it. Um, I know I I did see uh, some remarks on social media about how relieved people were that they did not talk about Bubba on the broadcast. And I'm just like, that's a good thing because. He, they are really having to talk about him a lot more, and is really getting under a lot of folks' skin because they're being proved wrong, and that's fantastic. Uh, you know, and Tyler did what he had to do, but to that point about you know the race being the race and and whatever, and um, and Reddick finishing uh, where he did, it seemed like I, I don't know if if this is like the most stacked round of eight we've had in a while or what it was, but I mean, to have a day like Tyler had, a day like Denny had, a day like Busher had, and for it to be a bad day, I mean, really does signify like how strong it was, how close those guys were all running together there. So 
Um, I think that Reddick's got a really good chance of probably winning next week. Um, I forgot how he ran there last year, but I think that they probably got a pretty good chance of putting that together for next week. And uh, I still am confident in his ability to potentially get through the round of four there. So um, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, like I said, I mean, you know, not, not great, but not terrible either. So. Yeah, I just was not a fan of a lot of the product. Yeah, I think a lot of the problems with this car reared their ugly head this week. It seemed like, you know, to Carl's point, it was just really hard to pass. There were tire issues. I just, I don't know. I was expecting something, I guess, similar to Kansas. Maybe that was just the optimist in me hoping, you know, mile and a half have been banger after banger, but uh, we definitely didn't see it. And yeah, you know, the only guy that really was able to make any moves to the field was Truex. And that was only because he was dying on restarts and he just had a great long run car and he able to catch guys after 30 laps. But um, yeah, I feel like 2311 and I think Toyota as a whole probably are putting, I'm not going to say I know obviously, but I think they're putting a lot of horses under Tyler's hood this week coming up because Right now, you figure Truex is plus 15, Danny's plus 11. I feel like out of those two, I really trust Denny to make it, especially with these next two weeks. Truex will probably get carried by his points. But we know Tyler can go to Homestead and win, right? He's won there before, and I don't know if he's going to make up eight points pointing his way in at Martinsville. Like, that just doesn't seem to be like a track that's been very generous to him in the past. So I think this might be like like how we looked at for Bubba at Michigan or even Talladega, it's like they've got this one circled uh, on the calendar and they absolutely have to have a win there. Um, and yeah, I agree. Like he would be my pick. If I had to bet money on somebody, um, he would be my guy to to go in and get a win and, and have to clutch out to make it to the next round. Yeah, agreed. Um, and yeah, certainly to, um, I just, to Carl's point, I, just i do i think this field is just strong the fact that you have a bunch of folks who have been ostensibly very quick all year and yet for them to quote unquote have bad days um now we've you know certainly uh for tyler we you know we've talked lord knows we've spilled um lots of uh metaphorical ink on uh that team and it's uh 2311 and its lack of ability to uh adjust to a race they have a, a real issue with that and i think some of that reared its head today too because the first half of the race, he was mixing it up at the front, and then he just died. Um, rolling in the, um, particularly the second half of stage three. He was just, you know, I say absolutely nowhere. I mean, a, a P8 is really, and certainly a P8 and even a P13 for, for Bubba in a vacuum, that is really not a bad day. But just with the additional context of, uh, in Tyler's case, how um, strong this playoff field seems to be. Um, a P8 just doesn't really cut it, honestly. Um, but, but yeah, no, but I mean, to, uh, this race was not not great. Um, it just kind of was. It was, you know, one of those races that was fairly quiet, a little bit of shenanigans with the tires, but once that all sorted itself out, ergo, once everybody doing stupid stuff with the tires, you know, crashed the field, sorted itself and it was just a quiet race um yeah i think tyler will be strong at um at homestead um yes i think this is you know sort of tyler's you know michigan or talladega if you will um 
yeah, I, you know, granted, I certainly could be wrong. I wouldn't expect a whole lot out of him at Martinsville. Um, and I suspect the team probably doesn't either. So I, um, I hope, yeah, I hope he gets it, gets it done at uh, Homestead. But I will just say a complete missed opportunity to not do the uh, Jordan J Balvin car at Miami. Like, come on now. Like, it's Miami. That would have been perfect. Yeah. <laughs> but whatever. I guess we'll see. Because I know they're done with the Jordan schemes for the year. But I don't know what he'll be running uh, this coming week. But, yeah. But on to Miami. I knew what Bubba's driving. The Grimace scheme. Oh, yeah. I for- completely it's forgot time. about that. We need Whatever it. Tyler the has. streets need yeah. it. The streets need that dark ass. Uh, Lionel. Plan B. Who else make duck ass? Y'all know well, better than I do. Yeah, Lionel makes a plan B tribute to or circle. It's it's circle B now. The streets yeah. need it. Yeah. You know, Lionel. You know, real quick before we go forward, I just wanted to to really emphasize something that Danny brought up. Uh well the both of those things. Like one, I think we've talked about it multiple weeks on here, but and I tweeted about this right after the race, but adjusting the car mid-race keeping up with the track has to be priority one for them for the 23 team this offseason because it seems like they've had so many races where they unload the car have great speed and then they just can't keep up with the track and it sounds so simple and i'm but i know it's very difficult and i can't i don't know all the work that goes into it, but they just have to figure out like what are the adjustments we have to make because we are just not hitting on it um and the second thing uh was just that you know, talking about expectations for Bubba, you know, the car was dog food. Oh, we, we really sucked today. Oh, I'm really frustrated. And they finished P13. And just like how like a year ago, two years ago, P13 would be like, oh, well, that's a solid day. You're like, we'll take that. It's pretty good. And now it's like, no, I'm, we're disappointed. You know, air quotes disappointed. Hey, like yeah, that type of performance. Like that just shows how much this team has grown. And I will continue to make that point. <laughs> every week until the season's over um but just how how much better they've gotten and how the expectations have gotten higher um not just from from us as fans but obviously from the inside looking out of the team as well so um that's one thing that i am happy about even though they didn't have the day that any of us would have wanted is that that the driver crew chief team is was obviously not happy with that car during the race and I'm sure they didn't go into the debrief saying, well, we got P13. Let's pat ourselves on the back. No, it comes a point where if you know, as a race team, your strongest package is the mile and a half. Hands down, bar none. 2311 brings the smoke to every mile and a half that's on the schedule. You, with that mentality, yes, P13 is a disappointment because you know you spend all your time at the race shop. You know that you... And your mind, you have a car capable of winning the race. You go out and you qualify seventh and hang it up there. And you're like, okay, we're starting track position. Let's get it. Like it's to, you know, to both you and uh, Danny's point art at some point, it has to come front of mind. You have to take the risk on adjusting on the car. If you go too far, who cares? Somebody's going to wreck. You know, there's going to be another pit stop. Especially if it's long green flag run, you know the pit stop is going to come sooner than later. I mean, you you have to just try, you know. And I don't know whether it's the car with the independent suspension, like maybe there you can't do as many like tweaks with like the track bar with like with wedge or all those sorts of things. Just how the 
that are working as other cars set and maybe it is more you know air pressure dependent now for the um for your adjustments but you're scared to run it too low because you're scared to blow a tire and wreck but you have to you have to think of ways to keep your driver in contention and to give yourself a chance at it and you can't always hope for a late caution or take two tires or just take gas and just stay out on old tires and just hope that the fresh air turns the car into a rocket ship. Like you have to, you have to try to win the race at some point. Um, so I feel like in that regard, they've taken a step back. Um, I feel like last year they were a little, they got a little crazy, um, you know, with the pitch strategy sometimes to, to go and try it, but I don't know, maybe it's growing pains or maybe they're just trying to, to make this work and then go do a deep dive once they get the new shop in the off season. But to me, in my mind, Bubba's got two more chances winning this year next weekend in Miami because he missed that race last year uh, due to unforeseen circumstances. Um, and, you know, Martinsville, he's won there before in every other series that he's been in. So um, help, try, please, do something. Pretty please. Yeah, I think in, in to kind of expand upon that, you know, uh, I really think part of it is it's not just on the team. I think about Michigan and I think about how, you know, they kind of Bubba was kind of really lenient on like what adjustments I needed to make. And they wound up, you know, losing the feel of the car and running back where they did, you know, when they had such a fast car early on. Confidence is key. I certainly think his confidence is going up, but I think he has to be confident in, what changes need to be made to make the car faster. I think that sometimes maybe listening to them over the year that he kind of questions what direction the car needs to go in and, and he wants it to be comfortable. Sometimes you have to get out of that box and be confident that you can adapt to drive a car that maybe is handling differently than what you've had um, to keep up with the track. So I think that's definitely they're going to work on the off season. I, you know, as, as sure as we're talking about it, I'm positive that, it's on the agenda for them to work on this year, probably weeks ago. So with that being said, I hate to kind of use it as a crutch, but I mean, again, you know, new car, new ish team, they're still learning, you know, him and booty legs are still kind of learning with each other. I, you know, I, I, they've found the baseline pace. Now it's maintaining it. And I think that's the final part of the equation. And I think that we'll probably see that next year. I think the offseason will give them a chance to figure out that part of the equation. So, um, but it is what's going to hold them back from being, you know, the multiple race winning team like the 45 is, you know, and being in that, in that contention. So, um, but yeah, outside of that, uh, that's all else I had to say for that segment. Was it Michigan? where the car was crazy loose, but he was like the fastest car on the track. And then they adjusted it and then it fell off. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I think he was like, it's, they tightened it up and then it went to the back and then they tried to loosen it up. Um, but they did, I don't think they went as far back on the adjustment. So it wasn't as loose as it was when they were fast and then they were stuck in traffic, dirty air, and they just couldn't go anywhere. And Bubba, I can't remember the exact comment, so I don't want to like misquote it, but it was something about like, I just, I don't think he was comfortable riding the edge that you have to ride at times um, in that particular race. And he said something to that effect. It was like, I just am not, I need to be able to push the car further than I am. And I'm just not able to right now. Um, that's not a quote. Nobody 
yell at us and say that's a quote. I'm just trying to remember something from two months ago. <laughs> but yeah, like it was something along those lines. And yeah, like that was one. That's the race where I I remember thinking like, yeah, if you can get into an off season and really start pushing it, like that would be what they need. You know, like like we've said here, like their their performance is much better. And you know, I feel like every week now it seems like even just in qualifying, like how many weeks in the last two months have they made the second round of qualifying? Like that used to be a big deal for us. We're like, Oh crap, we made it to top 10 and start. And now it's like, okay, cool. Yeah. We expected that. Um, and yeah, like with the car too, I do think there are like a lot more in terms of limitations. I was going to say, I remember like the racing that I watched growing up. I feel like at least once a year, Carl, you might remember some of this better than I do, but I feel like there would always be a race where there'd be a guy who would be like struggling in the back third of the field, they get a caution, say, all right, come in, we're going to stay long. And they, they put a spring rubber in it. They change the track yeah. bar, the wedge. Like they're like, we're going to make a bunch of wholesale changes. And yeah. we're just going to see what happens. We're just throw everything at it. And then that car would come zooming back to the field. And that car might not always win. And I, I wish I could think of an example off the top of my head, but my, like, yeah, my favorite example of that is yeah. is is 2007 we're getting towards the end of the regular season getting next to the 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 chase dylan hart jr and kurt bush are fighting for the last spot in two straight weeks michigan and pocono the eight car unloads awful and they self and he, he self-spins basically both races they come in under caution and change literally everything. In both weeks, he had pace to win, but finished second to Kurt. And yeah, we just don't have that anymore. But yeah, I mean, like I said, I you know that's yeah, that was a really good example of it. Um, all the time, Greg Biffle was a huge uh, second half merchant. I was thinking the other day about how I never really remembered him leading a race flag to flag. It was always either he yeah. led in the first half and was like twentieth at the end, or he was twentieth. By the time they got to halfway and he like somehow won. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, speaking of the all days, I got something else to bring up, but yeah, that's a, uh, that's my bit on that. Yeah. No, I was just saying like, I wonder if they had, if like, and this might be, this might be spiraling me into hating the new car again, as I do every week. But I just, I just really kind of long for the days where like they had that many tools, you know, like they could really go in and just say, all right. Cause that just kind of reminds me of like the throwback to where it was, it wasn't engineers and this isn't a knock on any engineers listening. We love what you do, but the idea where it was just like, these are just a bunch of mechanics and they're just going to go and, and turn a bunch of wrenches and just find speed in the machine. Um, and I feel like nowadays it's just so, I don't know. I feel like I'm starting to become an old man yelling at clouds in this segment, but I feel like it's just so much like everything's done through like the sim and, yeah. and you know, like everything is air dependent. And like, if you don't load unload off the truck hot, like you probably have no chance at winning. And it, I just, I don't know. I kind of long for the days where you could just do more and manipulate the car more. It, it is, it has become the, the meme of, of, uh, of plankton eating 3d meatloaf, like from SpongeBob, like to life because no, I mean, it is, Dude, I, I don't know how to how to vocalize it, but it is so incredibly bland that everything is done on a shakedown rig. Everything is done on the CM CFD data. They go and test this. I mean, that's why I, 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 get, I get so angry about 15 minutes of practice because I'm like, there is no organic chance to try to, to try something anymore. 
you can't, you know, and, and they don't have the tools like in the race, even with stage cautions, there's not a lot they can do with this car, not to beat up this car again, but there's not a lot they can do to try to figure something out. And so it's just like, you have what you have. And unless you're willing to make changes that the, the changes you can make that are rather unconventional or are going to make the car unstable or what or uncomfortable, you are going to, you're not going to win that race. And it, it's just, yeah, it's, it's just really frustrating. I mean, we come from an era, I think all four of us of the, if the car, if the, the car unloading slow, but you had two or three pit stops and it was a different car by the end of the race. And that's just gone now. And it's just like, man, you know, I mean, I just, I just, I long for it. I really do because yeah, it's, it's just, it's frustrating now. Yeah. I just think back and, and we can move on after this. Cause I've, I've completely derailed this. I apologize, but it just, it makes me back to like, you would always hear in the off season about, Oh, you know, 2014 went to, Rockingham and Darlington and Vegas for testing. And they were out there and, you know, oh, you as a family get excited because you'd be like, oh, okay, what did they find? You know, like, did they find speed or something? And I mean, that was content. You know, I, I did, we didn't know it as content back then, but that was off season content to think about, to talk about. And, you know, it'd fill hours on the airwaves. And, you know, as a team, yeah, like, I feel like you just, you would gain so much information and knowledge from like those off season practices. And then, yeah, having practice qualifying, happy hour, you know, you have so much time on track. Um, and I mean, all of that's gone now. And like, yeah, 15 minutes isn't anything anymore. And I don't know. I just, I just missed that. I feel like that was, we didn't know what we had. And now it's gone. It's like, it's crazy. They took away, I'd say probably nine tenths of open practice time to adjust on the car would triple the cost of the car by three times and like, okay, here you go. Go play with your new toy. And it's like, it's, you're doing yourself a disservice. If the cars, I think Denny said is $350,000 for each one of these things. They're driving around Lamborghinis. I think is, is the quote that he used, like literally driving around like exotic cars and you can't, you don't have time enough to spend with them to make them any better. So why am I spending all this money on it if I can't if I can't make it do what I want it to do? It's like poking it with a stick. Like, come on, do something, and it doesn't do anything. Yeah, I mean, at the very least, let them let them go to non-sanctioned tracks and test again. Something, please. I, I, you know, it just. It, I, I'm sorry, Danny. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but the last thing I want to say on it is, it is just it's just so frustrating that they sold this car on the concept of parody and three fourths of the way through his first year, that parody was gone. Like the teams, at the top are back at the top. And it's like, okay, we underwent this whole platform change to try to bring the field closer together, but you've, you've pretty much made it to where the teams that have the personnel um, and the engineering personnel, the people that can run the sim and understand the numbers, the engineering staff, all that, they're going to stay at the top. It's like, give us something. I mean, you know, it's just like because you know, I just I just don't know. I mean, like I said, it's just it's 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 frustrating. And it's like if we could have went through all of this for Hendrick to remain dominant, then I would rather just kept what we had two years ago 
and just ran the 750 package every year. I, I mean, everywhere. I don't know. I mean, like I said, at least we could have had good road course races still and good short track races. Uh, you know, I mean, and, and, and you can't sell me on the safety aspect because we heard earlier this week that Kurt Busch got knocked around so much that by the time he got out of the car at Pocono, they're like, dude, if you get back in that car, you're going to die from the hits you're taking this year alone. I, it is so – it takes everything in my fiber of my being to, like, not call this car a failure. It takes so much every week to find the silver lining of this package, and I am honestly so exhausted with it. But that is – you just have to keep going on and just praying they figure something out. Is all you can do because we, we, we our you know art showed my age earlier. The CLT was not this bad. No, it was no a platform not, nobody not understood. It wasn't remotely close to this bad. You know the Gen Six was fantastic upon launch, and yet somehow we have regressed with every platform to this. And I'm just so I'm at the point now to where if I miss a race, even on radio. It's okay because the highlights tell the whole story. And that's about where I'm at. So Yeah, I <clears throat> yeah, it's you know, it's weird. Um, you know, a few things, of course, you know. I mean, we all remember, you know, you just talked about it. I I will stop short of saying sort of modern opinions, you know, on the car of tomorrow are revisionist because I think that's unfair. But, you know, there was, I mean, all of us remember very clearly the hand-wringing that commenced when that car was launched. You know, it's garbage, it sucks, what are we doing? You know, so on and so forth. A lot of the talking point, points with, you know, the current-gen car, it really wasn't that dissimilar. You know, yes, we've, you know, since we've gone through a couple of car iterations, we've looked back and said, you know, well, actually, maybe it wasn't that bad. But certainly at the time, you know, you'd have swore that the, uh, that the sky was falling. Um, but they, you know, NASCAR through concerted effort, they, for all intents and purposes, fixed the car. Um, so, you know, call me, you know, call me naive, uh, but I have some faith that they will do that. That just through continued evolution of this car, they'll fix it. It'll race better. Um, and we'll get to a point where everybody is, you know, for all intents and purposes, happy with it. You know, but, you know, and, you know, going back and talking, you know, talking a bit about, you know, all of this work, you know, just for like Kendrick and P Penske to kind of filter their way back up to the top. You know, A, I think that was kind of inevitable, to be honest. I always thought we were being sold a bit of a dream with uh, parody if I'm being perfectly honest. But that is part of this is why, um, particularly the fact that, you know, well, um, Legacy has gotten kind of racy this last handful of weeks and RFK's big search for it, that's frankly part of why it excites me. Um, it's because we've got some proper uh, minnows that have, you know, basically worked their way up. You know, they're in contention for, you know, top 15, you know, top 10 every week. And that's, you know, kind of fun to see. Um, you know, we've talked about it time and time and time again, you know, I would say we've, you know, beat the, you know, beat the dead horse, but honestly, it's just bones at this point. Um, but, um, you know, I don't certainly don't know exactly what it's going to take to fix this car. I am, you know, not 
one of the people that gets paid, you know, absurd amounts of money, either on a part of, you know, NASCAR or even just the various uh, engineering staffs across the teams to sort this out. So I don't know what it means. Um, but I will say certainly, you know, I do miss the days of even just NASCAR taking the cars in the off season and going to go goof around. Um, Cause I was talking with a friend and was reminded about all the work that they've done in the past at, uh, at VIR when testing these cars. They don't really do that anymore. And well, it's well, very fun to see, to see the old cars running around uh, Virginia international, just as NASCAR is doing stuff you know, even completely separately of the teams to try to find a new package, you know, just figure something out. Um, so we'll see. Um, you know, as per usual, this has devolved into the weekly let's bitch about the car for, you know, 25 minutes. So I will, uh, I'll stop there, but, but no, I think they'll fix the car. Um, because it's trash. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, uh, I find your lack of faith disturbing. <laughs> It's just like Art last week was upset about the uh, the, the schemes. Um, yes. Just we gotta. I don't know, but oh well, we move. We used um, to be a proper country. We used to be a proper racing series. Yeah. Numbers used Shut to up. go where they were supposed to. I think the number change is good, actually. Um. <laughs> all right, all right. So, so since you think the number change is good. Y'all saw that Harvick's running the Budweiser car from his I was just about to mention that, yeah. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't that car look better if they just moved the damn number back to where it's supposed to be? Or just move the Budweiser logo. I don't know, but... Okay, so, (laughs) all right, fine. I guess immediate qualifier. I think with the modern schemes, I think the number placement is totally fine. However, yes, the cars look like garbage when you want to run classic schemes with using the modern template. I don't know quite who thinks that's a good idea or why they think that's a good idea, but you cannot wholesale copy the scheme. I mean, hell, just the cars are so different from yeah, what they no, were 20 like, years ago. <laughs> I, I, would give, I would give NASCAR so much credit if they just said, you know, on throwback weekend, we're going to put it back in the center. I literally was going to say the same For thing. For one yeah. week, just... Just give me the one week, because then it always is the same thing, right? Everyone does like like the Harvick scheme. They do a throwback scheme, and it looks like trash. And it sucks, because like I love a lot of those throwback schemes. Like those are schemes I grew up on. I want to buy shirts and die casts and things with those schemes on them, but they look like trash because they weren't designed to have a number right behind the wheel. Like that would be just that's one of those decisions where it's like this is such a layup. It's so easy. Like it's a layup on a three foot basket and they just like trip over their over a rock and just fall on their face. Like that's just an easy win that they just don't take. Yeah, it so, is like a oops, sorry, go ahead, Jarrett. No, go ahead. I was just gonna um bounces. I, I stole the, the handoff. Um from what I've seen, Bristol's marketing the spring race as like their throwback weekend. Oh, and since a lot of people didn't participate during the summer 500, do you think the, the Food City 500 is going to be a little a throwbacky? Do you think we can petition oh. them to move the numbers on the on the computer graphics for these for these wraps? Can we sign a, Can we start a petition? I mean, but honestly, at this point, it feels like every week is throwback week practically. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, it, yeah. they are they are so good at jumping the damn shark 
with everything. <laughs> I, I'm so sick. You like, okay, because again, go back to 2016, throwback weekend at Darlington. Fantastic idea. Fantastic, fantastic rollout. And it was like, all right, leave it there. That is the designated throwback weekend. And then fast forward to, oh, now we have two throwback races and uh, two Darlington races. Now they're both throwback weekends. I know now Bristol might be a throwback because we're going back to uh, the uh, the Spring Good Bristol race on asphalt for the first time in uh, three years. I, I don't know. I, it just, I don't understand why it's so hard to just like, you make a cool idea, leave it there. Don't mess with it. If people like it, like that's fine. Um, and I, I'm sure it goes deeper than that. I'm sure it's like it's a marketing thing too, and all that kind of good stuff. But it is just so hard to enjoy anything in NASCAR for any duration of time because they just go and change it like immediately thereafter. And as far as the number goes, look, this experiment's run its course. I and not a lot of cars are really using that space. Go back to the center. I don't know that we've really seen nobody's come forward. And said, you know, oh, thank you, Ford number. You saved my race team because I saw this additional space. Like, we, <laughs> it's run its course. Move the number back because, like, we're into year two of this, and I still hate it. I was, I was, I was putting together a car for iRacing today, and I was looking. I was like, man, this would look so much better if I could just center the number, but I can't because that's just the way it has to look now. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. You- Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, uh, just, just also to conclude kind of my previous thought, you know, now I guess the proper, the, you know, the raison d'etre of the uh, the number change, um, yes, being to afford more sponsorship space, you know, looking at it from the pure sort of reason for being, yes, that's just, a, I guess, a purely objective um, viewpoint. Yeah, it's it's been a complete and utter failure. It's not really made a blind bit of difference when you start talking about, you know, sponsorship space, blah, blah, yada, yada. Yeah, whatever. You know, certainly, I funny enough, I think 2311 in the, their schemes, they have probably done, made the best utilization in the change because, I mean, let's be honest, I mean, those cars have looked phenomenal with, uh, even with the number change, and I don't necessarily think it would be better with the car with had being in the center personally um i know uh, all of you probably disagree and that's that's okay but um you know the cars have looked phenomenal um but yes you know the throwback schemes and you know so seeing these paint schemes from you know 25 years ago it's like well yeah it looks dumb that didn't work at all and it's like why but um but yeah, no, certainly, yes, as, uh, you know, oh, we're going to free up some sponsorship space. Yeah, well, that's not worked now, has it? Yeah. You know, like, I feel like to Carl's point, is a, is a great example of it. First of all, I do not need two throwback races, and this is someone who loves a throwback race. Make it Darlington 1. Leave it alone. Just don't overthink it. Don't overcook the cake. Like, just let it be its own thing. Um, it just, it's so frustrating, but to this point about how, like, they just ruin things. I, I was thinking back to the other week, William Byron won and you all remember the giant hats that were really cool oh, a year yeah. and a half ago. <laughs> and now they're, they're still doing it. And I, I don't know if that's a William Byron 
Exalta thing or what? Because I, I mean, I don't see any of the other teams doing it, so Thank I don't God. think it's a team wide thing. But that's one of those another case where like I need somebody under the age of thirty five to come along and put the hand on the shoulder and just say, "I need you to stop." Like I just need you to stop. Like this isn't this isn't helping. And it's just one of those cases where it's like. I want NASCAR to be this really cool and exciting thing. And then it's like, oh, hey, we're going to be riding trends from two years ago. Yeah, like it, it absolutely gives the energy of like your co older coworker sending you like cat memes from 2009 and being like, isn't this just so funny? It's so funny. And I'm just like, no, it's, it's, it's been dead. Bury it. Yeah, yeah. I just, I, I just want, I want NASCAR to, I don't need to be like, formula one level of like oh we're the cool sexy sport like i don't need to be that level but i need you to be yeah not the the 60 year old tiktok person that's flossing you know in the mirror like i don't want that all right uh moving on silly season uh carson hosevar is the you know he finally got his job Worst kept secret in garage. Um, what else did we miss? Did we talk about Sheldon Creed last week? I think it happened after we put it out. I think that happened after we put it out. I think it happened, yeah, like the next day. Yeah. So it's interesting with that. RCR does his, you know, his black and white. We kicked Tyler, I mean, we kicked uh, Sheldon Creed out so Ty Dillon can come drive for granddaddy. Um, But then Sheldon's like, nah, I left. My news coming soon. Y'all not gonna believe this. It's just interesting how like the narrative changes depending upon the driver and the owner situation. Um, hopefully, uh, Sheldon does find some better, some better duds than uh, the two, because um, you know he's better than Austin Hill to me. But Granddaddy don't like confrontation in this house. Um, something else happened. What else happened? I can't remember. Well, there's the Corey Heim news today, which... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Corey Heim re-signing. Staying with Tricon Garage. It locks with the Toyota driver down. Um, I don't know what Joe Gibbs is going to do with his Xfinity program, because I think the only one person's over there for next year, right? Is Sammy staying? No, Sammy's going to the eight for JRM. Mm. Uh... Didn't they just announce? Oh man! Art help! Art help us out here. Yeah, we just talked about this. Help statistician. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know who's going over there next year. Um, uh, I, oh, they so yeah, they've linked Chandler Smith over there, and that leaves one more car. I'm obviously not in the contention anymore. I, you know, Chandler Smith, Trevor Bain duo doesn't sound too awful. Um, and a star car, I guess, or you know, uh, Chandler Smith, oh, yeah. Ryan Truex, yeah, Ryan Truex, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, I, I don't, I maybe Joe Graff Jr., who knows? Uh, I just feel like <laughs> a lot of these are a lot of these are just names that I'm like, yep, those are. Competent race car driver. No, yeah, I, mean, I, think, I, think, I think I think I think Trevor Bain or Ron Truex in uh, a full time Gibbs ride probably could probably could do some damage. I think I think they'd be okay. 
Um, it is interesting to, to try to figure out kind of what's going to be the next piece of the puzzle for them next year. Um, I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, somebody suggested Sheldon Creed to Gibbs as a possibility. Um, I just don't, he ain't got no money. So what, how's that going to happen? Gibbs are like broke boys. I, yeah, I just like, I mean, because <laughs> I, <laughs> like, like, that's all well and good, man. But, you know, I, I don't know, man. I, it's it's uh, definitely a curious case in the Xfinity field right now as far as who's going to wear next year. Because then, you know, you want to talk silly season. There's also the deal with Smithfield being an associate on the one this weekend. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah which is kind of curious, right? Because like, Eric was their guy; they weren't really messing with nobody else. They're telling and him I, to retire. Uh, you know, is Eric what? Eric, what are you doing, bro? I think <laughs> he's trying to control the narrative, but the whole garage not knows. working. So right, I'm like, to, go to the plant with the bacon and not drive for the bacon, anymore. brother. Right, we, like, we I'm like, who are you? Who is Bud trying to fool, bro? We do not care. Like I, and and everybody was people people tried to make the point because that stat came out this week about like the best playoff run since its inception, and Eric had like a, a six point two average finish in the playoffs in twenty eighteen. Okay, cool. That was five years ago. This is now. Is we're not having the same conversation now, man. I you know, you know I, this uh this whole thing with Eric Almarola, it reminds me of when Paul Pierce retired. And Draymond mm. Green was like, "Oh, you thought you was Kobe? They don't they love don't you, love out you here. like that. <laughs> they don't love you like that. Mm. <laughs> we do not love you, Eric Almarola. Go home to your family. Go to your wife and kids. Like, Go pack these school lunches, bro. Open up that seat for somebody else who deserved it because you don't. But I just, I just look at it and I'm like, why are you trying to do this? And maybe they're like, oh, we don't know, but I mean, like." It's October, bro. Like, we're running out of weeks here. Like, I'm sure, like, I fully admit, like, I I will would not be on the, the Eric Amarola bandwagon. I would run over the bandwagon with the monster truck. But I'm sure there are some fans out there that would love to know, oh, hey, I like this driver. This is his last year. This is the last time he's going to be at Sonoma or Michigan, like, if you live in that area, like, oh, I better go see him. That's why I always appreciate that a driver's like, hey, I'm going to retire. So, like, right. if you're a fan, you know, like, this is it. This is your last shot to see him. And, like, I can't believe I'm defending Eric Amarola fans right now, but, like, I'd be kind of ticked if I liked the driver, and they were, at the end of the year, they were like, oh, hey, I'm retired now. I'm like, well, bro, I would have came up, like, to see a race if I had known. And, like, I don't miss the boat now. Like it's gone. So I just I don't understand that at all. I maybe there's more to it we don't know, but it just seems like he's just a man who doesn't want to face the truth. And someone needs to just again, I need another adult to come put the hand on the shoulder, like the Marge Simpson meme, and just like, all right, but we got it. Yeah, he he said that this year his experience at Seward Haas Racing. Um, has been one of his best out, off, outside of the track. And I think maybe when he says that, there's some hope that maybe things can turn around form performance-wise. But it's just like, man, 
you know, I, I fully understand what you're saying, my guy, but, you know, look, your son's playing baseball. You're really interested in that, man. Go go be a baseball dad. I, I don't know. Because the reality of it is, you talk about how late in the year it is, the rumor has been that SHR would sell that charter if Eric leaves, which that makes the most sense to me. If I was in Tony Stewart's shoes, I would sell that, get a get, you know, 20, 30, 40 million to sponsor Josh Berry with. But if if you come to me December one and say I'm retiring, well, I can't sell, you know, I can't sell pumpkins on November first, buddy. Like, you know, uh, you, you, <laughs> I, I, you know, it's just like I would be. <laughs> I, I, uh, anyway, like, yeah, I would be pretty. <laughs> I mean, you are correct. Sir. Yeah, that's a, that's a factually correct statement. Yeah, I, I cannot. Know, I, that's just, yeah, I, yeah. So that's. <laughs> oh my god. That's uh, that's 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 my take on that. So. Yeah, uh, but. Oh, my God. But I mean, no, Carl, I mean, he's absolutely right. It's just, you know, all of this, you know, back and forth, you know, if he's like, Eric, if you're going to retire, just, you know, do it. Go home, be a family man. Um, I this back and forth, you know, will he won't he? Yes. You know, certainly for the sake of, you know, the approximately five uh, Amarola fans, you know, I'm sure that's, you know, a little frustrating. You know, but. It's like, dude, it's like, frankly, hasn't been competitive, vaguely competitive in what, you know, three years at this point? No, four well, years? Uh, yeah, four, because he had that win in 19. Um, yeah, I mean, but is, is having one win make you competitive, though? I don't no. know. I, and also, know. I mean, if we're going to we're gonna talk about that win, the fact that he had to have darkness itself. <laughs> oh yeah! Darkness, everybody, darkness. I had I to help him. That. Yes, yes. The dead of night is what led him to win because he was getting chased down from I think it was Bell, if I remember. Uh, yes. So, I mean, no. Yeah. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It was what? at uh, New Hampshire. I'm, I'm thinking of New Hampshire. Yeah, was Bell in the field in New Hampshire? And not twenty. This is 2019. I'm thinking of right, or was this? He might have been driving the other th- the other car. Uh, was... No, the Benedetto was in '95 in that year. I'm I'm I hate to seem unprofessional, but he was getting chased by somebody, but I don't remember who. Yeah, I it was don't. Toyota. Yeah, right, it was. Right. I just don't remember who was driving. I, we're we're gonna, we're gonna no, it may have been. We're gonna find this out here. Just give me just a moment, because now I'm. The now fuzzy, have to know. The, yeah, the fuzzy part of my brain is aching because now I don't know. I don't remember. Um, but um, while we're doing, while I'm doing that, uh, so the other thing I wanted to bring up real quick while we we round this episode out is just a general conversation. So there was, you know, kind of talk about, you know, like the nostalgia of, you know, when we had Cup guys in the. Well, it was the Nationwide Series in, but when you would have, you know, 10 or 12 Cup guys running the Bush races and the Nationwide races on Saturday and Dale Jr. kind of 
you know, said, you know, the reality of it is a lot of guys just either can't find the sponsorship for it. They don't want um, somebody to, you know, they, or they don't want to pay for it themselves or doesn't pay enough. So I was just curious as to, you know, what you guys take on that is and, and you know, is it something that you miss? You know, because we see a, a, a severe lack of that now and everybody kind of tell everybody's kind of like, man, I wish my favorite driver would run it, would run an Xfinity race. You know, we, you know, whoever that may be. So I'm just uh, kind of wanted to get you guys feel for it there. And it was Bell. Okay. Was Chris Thank Bell. you very much. Um, I'll, I'll start off first. Oh, I would say like. It was the race where Cal Bush wrecked the pace car. Yeah, it was. Yeah, because it was. Because in the, it rained. It was, at the it, was, yeah, it was in the rain. Oh, yeah. And oh, this is 2021. So why am I thinking about 2019? We, we don't know. I don't know. Anyway. Whatever. Um, but yeah, I'll say that. I enjoy Bush, uh, you know, Cupsit guys going to the Bushes, but I just don't want it to be. I would, I like them to to go more frequently, but I like the cap. I like a, the five race cap on the season. I don't like the idea necessarily of three Bush guys full time having wins, and the rest of the races are being dominated by the Cup guys. I feel like it was getting to that point where it's just out of hand. Um, so yeah, I mean, and it's hard to like set that fine line, I think, but you know, I think of like Kyle Bush is like the first thing that comes to mind for me. Like this guy would just go and like get in the truck series and the Xfinity series and just destroy everybody. Cause he's just that much better than them. Um, and like for a while you're like, oh, wow, this is cool. Kyle Bush is crushing it. And then it's like, oh wait, this is Kyle, Kyle Bush is still crushing it. Like 325 wins later or whatever the number is. So I'd like to see it, but I can understand. There was um, the message set on Twitter that Dale Jr. had posted, and I think it was Keselowski had posted as well, talking about the cost and, like, sponsorship. Just It just isn't worth the squeeze at this point. Um, and that's totally valid. I mean, racing, I think, is probably more expensive now than it's ever been. And so that argument is totally valid in my opinion but i do wish that we could see it a little bit um i remember you know for bubba example like he went and raced i think it was coda uh in xfinity in that dr pepper car Mm -hmm. maybe two years ago and uh was having a decent run until he had a loose wheel which was a sign of things to come that season but like that was something that was really cool and like as a bubba fan like i made sure to watch that race because my favorite driver was in it and I might not have been as interested otherwise. And you multiply that over dozens of drivers over dozens of races. Like I'm sure that would increase interest in that series, but it, it is hard when, you know, if we started like the, the Bush series playoffs and like <laughs> the top three have gotten wins and everybody else had to point their way in because there were no wins to get because they were all just being dominant. Like that's just a bad look. Um, so I, I understand it's a tricky situation to try to balance. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree. You know, it, you know, there was a, a period cause um, you know, especially when I was first getting into NASCAR as a kid and, you know, of course, you know, the uh, bushwhacking days and, you know, when you're, you know, six, you're like, Oh, you know, here's this, you know, cup driver, you know, I, you know, and he's just going to, wow, he's just smoking the field. Yeah, don't get me wrong, that's kind of fun. But then as a you know, direct result, we saw, you know, the talent pools and you know what is now Xfinity gets super duper thin. Um, as a result. 
you know, you had, you know, quite possibly the most mid drivers in the history of mid who were, you know, winning those championships just because, you know, the cup drivers were coming in down and were, you know, would dominate week in, week out. Um, so, you know, certainly the cap, you know, is, is good. Um, but yes, also at the same time, um, you know, it's, you know, yeah, you I mean, you certainly get eyeballs when, you know, you've got some cut drivers that do, you know, drop down into the lower series. You know, because truth be told, I, broadly speaking, I, you know, might get tarred and feathered for this one. But truth be told, broadly speaking, anymore, I don't really care about the feeder series much anymore. Um, I just don't. Um, yeah. But um, certainly when, you know, one of the cup guys, you know, drops down into trucks or into Xfinity, it's like, huh, all right, fine, I'll watch. You know, see what's going on here this evening or this afternoon. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, so my take on it is this, and I thought about it. And to, to Danny's point, you know, people don't care about the Xfinity series and they don't care about the truck series. Well, part of that is is identity, right? Is like na- being able to recognize names. And it is hard to sell tickets on Saturday when the names people are showing up to the Sunday race aren't there. Um you know, I remember when I started watching in the early 2000s, 2002, 2003, somewhere in there, you know, watching on a regular basis. I mean, it, it was nothing to see, you know, eight between eight to 12 cup drivers running the, the Bush Series race in. And to even go so far as to most cup teams had, you know, Xfinity Series teams for their cup drivers to go run races in. It wasn't even a development feeder, a development pipeline deal. It was just like so a go race on Saturday. And, and you know what? I enjoyed it. Um, there were just because there were just moments that came from that. You know, you had the, the Kevin Harvick and, and uh, Kyle Busch, you know, rivalry and the Kyle Busch and Carl Edwards rivalry and all that stuff that kind of came to fruition in that lower series because points went on the line and it was just really good racing. And also, you had when, you know, when, when regulars won those races against Cup guys, it was a big deal. But, you know, time went on, less guys ran those races. It became one or two guys that would run the Saturday races. And then, you know, it was all of a sudden like, it's you know, it's only Kyle Busch running these races, not so interesting anymore. So I would love to see a return now that we have a cap, you know, uh, two or three races out of the year, you know, have some cup guys come down. Um, I doubt they can do anything to make that happen, but I certainly think it would help with, fan attraction for the Saturday races. Uh, my only request is that, you know, they have to start at the rear of the field and that they can't go and race uh, non, um, which I think is a rule now, but I may not be mistaken on that. They can't race non-companion events. But I certainly think right now the lower two series have an identity crisis. Uh, and I think that an injection of cup drivers could definitely help that. Uh, now, certainly limiting that to, you know, four or five, six races out of the year will, will you know, also kind of help with, oh, the cup guys winning everything. But I'll be honest, I miss it. And um, I would love to see, you know, Brad Kozlowski and Denny Hamlin and William Byron or Alex Bowman go down and, and, and fight on Saturday and then fight on Sunday. I think that'd be really good, really cool to see. So. You mentioned, you know, how cup drivers racing on 
you know, Friday nights and Saturdays help sell tickets. Like, imagine how packed the stands are going to be Saturday because Junior's running that race. Like, obviously, he's not full-time in, in Cup anymore, but it's Dale Earnhardt Jr. Like, he's going to sell seats. Um, you know, I'm I'm glad there's a cap. It makes sense. But, I mean, I'd rather not have the cap and just not let them run um, during the playoffs. So they still have, you know, 26 other races where they can go to what they want um, because NASCAR itself is in the, you know, the middle of a huge media deal. Like, yeah, Xfinity got their money. Um, I don't know how long ago the truck deal was signed, but, you know, you look at Cup and they're, they're looking to get some 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 big dollars, you know, for this this media, you know, contract coming up. What better way to sell that than to sell, hey, blah, blah, blah weekend at such and such track. We have, here's our top five cup drivers going to go down and maybe they've run a special promotion. You know, I, I missed a no bull five, you know, to your point, Carl. Okay. Let's take five cup drivers, have them start in the back of the field and they're drive their way through the, uh, the field. If you win, here's a million dollars or $500,000 or donate to a, you know, a charity of your choice just to, to help gain, you know, popularity and momentum for the sport you know it's in a weird time right now arguably expanding is the best racing product we have the cup the cup cars are garbage um and trucks wreck too much where they can actually put on a you know a great showing so um something somebody marketing somebody advertising listen to us call us we have great ideas you know we we can save the sport you know just just holler at us you know vlv um, you know, Vibes podcast on, on X, you know, jump in our DMs. Let us help you uh, make sure we can maintain the integrity and the growth of the sport. Because <laughs> um, we can figure it out real quick. Um, but it, it's it's generally, you know, it's a good idea. And I wish I could see more of it. I loved seeing Bubba race at North Wilkesboro in this truck. The only reason why that race was on my phone that I cared enough to watch it when I was out is because of the fact that he was back in that truck. And he was up front and winning it for, you know, majority. You know, we, we need to see some more of that. Um, so hopefully, you know, next year, corporate uh, loosens the reins on our, our boys so we can make some shake. Yeah, or something. I mean, like, just, you know, think about, like, how much interest was in the truck series when they did the, um, the, the Kyle Busch bounty deal in 2020 before COVID messed everything up, right? You had, you know, owners coming, you know, off the bench to fill the truck, you know, to try to make that deal, Billy Blue to try to make that deal go through. And, you know, and we're going to end after after this, but the reality of it is this, the plethora of fans this sport have has are not the fans that are going to sit down and research who a driver is, who have followed a driver their entire career, who know where they come from, and are going to recognize all these names on Saturday and on on, on Friday night in the truck in the cut in the Xfinity series. Um, you know they are. So you 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 we we did not necessarily have this problem ten years ago, so to speak, uh, but that was because the guys that were Saturday regulars or full time, you know, nationwide series in drivers. We're having to battle cup guys all the time. So when they beat cup guys, they had made a name for themselves. And now because they're running against each other, the the the, the desire to turn tune in and watch this isn't there for a lot of fans anymore. So you kind of need 
these guys to help sell fans on that again and get them interested in that again and get them going to the Saturday race, get them going to the truck race. Um, so I, you know, it's necessary evil, but I certainly hope in the future we see something done to revitalize that and, and kind of mix the field up a bit and give people a reason who wouldn't ordinarily buy tickets to the Saturday race or watch it to watch it again. So there's that, but that's all I got. Anyone else? Questions, comments, concerns. As a reminder, check out our new show, Chicanery. Episode three dropping soon, featuring Danny and JT. Go buy some coffee from East Side Roasters. Uh, the more y'all buy, the quicker you get us to your cup. Awesome. Um, yeah. Other than that, see you Let's get us out of here. Hey, we'll see y'all next time. Appreciate it. See y'all. Peace.